0: Welcome to Heart, Soul, and Mind, the podcast from Centenary United Methodist Church. I'm Dr. Glenn Kinkin, Senior Minister here at Centenary. My hope is that this podcast will give you some good news for your journey today.
1: This morning's scripture reading is from Exodus, chapter 4, verses 1 through 13. Moses answered, What if they do not believe me or listen to me and say, The Lord did not appear to you? Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? A staff, he replied. The Lord said, throw it on the ground. Moses threw it on the ground and it became a snake and he ran from it. Then the Lord said to him, reach out your hand and take it by the tail. So Moses reached out and took hold of the snake and it turned back into a staff in his hand. This said the Lord is so that you may, they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, The God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand into his cloak, and when he took it out, the skin was leprous. It had become as white as snow. Now put it back into your cloak, he said. So Moses put his hand back into his cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. Then the Lord said, If they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign, they may believe the second. But if they do not believe these two signs or listen to you, take some water from the Nile and pour it onto the dry ground. The water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Moses said to the Lord, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I am slow of speech and tongue. The Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gives them sight and makes them blind? It is not I, is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses said, pardon your servant, Lord, please send someone else. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: They told me via email that the second Sunday that I was here, the sanctuary would look a little different. Wow. Who knew that that meant a tiki bar and uh, a waterfall, but here we have it. Uh, As we get ready to worship, I'm sure there's a sermon illustration in here somewhere. I just haven't found it yet, but who knows what the Spirit will provide. Would you pray with me? Gracious God, as we hear your word read and proclaimed, we pray that you would open our ears to hear your whispers. Open our hearts to know your presence, but transform our souls so that we would leave this place, not just hearers of your word, but doers of your word. In your son's holy name we pray, amen. So years ago when I was doing youth ministry, we used to take the youth groups up to the Blue Ridge Assembly Grounds up in Black Mountain, North Carolina. It's a YMCA camp. They've got up there a whole series of ropes courses where the whole purpose is to let kids play, let them experience life, let them try new opportunities, gain some confidence, so you, you strap a, a climbing harness on a kid, you hook him to a rope, it goes through a pulley, you strap it to somebody who definitely outweighs that kid by two or three times to sort of anchor them on the ground, and the kid scrambles up like a monkey and then goes through a series of bridges and obstacles and that sort of thing, usually about 45 feet in the air, which for some kids is terrifying. But we had this one girl that was up there and she was, I mean, she was motoring through everything and she got to the last, the next to last obstacle. And it's a step. She's standing on a platform about 45 feet in the air, as I said, and all she's got to do is step about a foot and a half over to another step, except that step is two feet lower than where she's standing. Now, that's not really all that far when you think about it. But when you have the optical illusion of being 45 feet in the air, and the only thing that's holding you safe is the platform you're standing on or a rope around your waist, it takes on a very different meaning. That one foot step into a two foot drop. I can remember Emily, she was up there. We had her all tied in and she was ready to make that big step. And she was confident about everything, but here she just froze up. She tried two or three times to take that step and she just looked down at us and she said, I can't do it. I can't do it. Now we knew that it wasn't that far, but it looked impossible from where she was standing. It looked like she really could not do it from her perspective. And we said, Emily, we've got you. Emily, you can do this. We've got you. Take this step. It's going to be okay. Nothing can happen to you because we've got you. You are anchored to the ground. Take the step. She stood there, her legs quivering, two or three seemed like hours on end. It was really probably only about two minutes, but she thought it was forever. And she finally took a step back, closed her eyes for a second, then opened them up and she made that step. And as you would know it, It was only a foot and a half over and two feet down. She made it just fine. She said, I was ridiculous, wasn't I? We said, oh no. She said, I needed to learn to trust you guys, didn't I? We said, there's the method of the madness. You need to learn to trust the people around you that are telling you you can do it because we would not fill you with false promises or false hope. That was a learning lesson that we had there, but I have thought about Emily, as I looked at our text today, have you ever been asked to do that impossible thing? That one thing that you said you couldn't do, that one step that you knew that you just could not take. Last week, we talked a little about how we hear God's call in our lives, how we realize that comes in God's time, not our own, how we've gotten to realize when we're standing in the presence of God, looking around and seeing God in our presence and then how we've got to shut the noise of the world out so that we can listen intently. But what happens when you do all those things and you hear God's whispers, when you hear God's call upon your soul and you hear it and you know it, but you know that you're not ready to do it. You think that you are ill-equipped, unprepared. You might even argue you don't have the skills and yet you know you hear God calling. What do you do? Well, if you're like me, you protest. You quickly backpedal and you say, I can't do it. That's not, you know, that's not right. I, I must have misheard that. That's really not what it's supposed to be. You really think that maybe, just maybe you're off your rocker and that you really didn't hear God calling you. So if you think back to me, those of you that didn't that weren't here last week, I told a little bit about my call story about how I had been sitting on the back porch of the Hinton Roll Life Center having this crisis between banking and ministry, savings account and souls, trying to figure out exactly what God was calling me to do. And in this one moment in time, I uttered the words, God, do you want me to be a minister? And it all became quiet and I knew the answer. But what I didn't tell you last week that I'll let you in on this week is that as I went to bed that night, there was this peace but when I got up the next morning, I thought, you know what, Glenn, nobody knows about this but you. <laughs> nobody knows about this but you. That's the craziest thing that you have ever heard. So I started to breakfast and my roommate, you know, one of the adults in our church, he was there with me. And as we're going through the line, getting the powdered eggs and mishmash of bacon product, not really sure if it was bacon or not, but whatever it was, we got that. And Randy looks at me and Randy goes, you know, don't you? I played along. I said, I know what? He goes, you know, don't you? I said, I might know. He said, you know what you're supposed to do. Now friends, I will tell you that Randy was tucked up in bed that night before. Randy had no idea of what had happened to me. And yet Randy was asking me this question. I said, I might know. He said, listen intently. And that was the last we said of it. So then later I'm thinking, you know, well, I dodged that bullet. Thank goodness. That's still the craziest thing I've heard. And the group leader from Georgia that was up there with us, Ricky, it was his name. Ricky was a Methodist minister in the South Georgia Conference. Ricky comes up to me towards the end of the week. He goes, hey, Glenn, I've been watching you this week. Have you ever thought about going into ordained ministry? Now, see, this is where the story should take a side note. And I guess I should tell you, I think God's got a great sense of humor. And this is how God manifested in my life. And I said, well, you know, Ricky, I don't know. I said, I've thought about it, but you know, my grades, I don't have a 4.0 and I'm pretty sure that graduate school's not my thing. Now, you know, you would think that's a pretty good roadblock, right? Ricky goes, well, Glenn, let me tell you what. One of my best friends is the Dean of admission at the Candler School of Theology at Emory University. Really? One of his best friends. And he said, and I'm really good friends with the district superintendent in the Macon district. We can get you a really small church that won't take a whole lot of your time. It'll pay you pretty well and you can pay for seminary. So don't tell me it's going to be about cost either. I started thinking maybe just maybe God knew what was going to happen in my heart, that I was going to protest this a little bit. Well, I I got, you know, that trip ended really quickly and I thought, well, I've dodged all the bullets. Then I thought, maybe I need to phone a friend, sort of get a lifeline in this. So I drove up to Winston-Salem a couple of days later, called Dr. Robinson, come up to his office, and I started telling him my story. And I said, Dr. Robinson, please tell me this, that I'm crazy. Please tell me this is not how the call of ministry happens. And you know what he told me? That's exactly how it happens, Glenn. And I started to doubt this a little bit, and I thought, well, maybe he's just trying to get his Methodist minister recruiting ribbon. (laughs) Maybe, right? So I thought, you know what? I'm gonna get a second opinion. So I happened to have a good friend that was a Moravian minister. I had gotten to know him when I dated his daughter in, in high school. So I went over to see him and I said, let me tell you what's happening to me. And am I crazy? And I tell the whole story. And he says, well, Glenn, I got good news for you. I said, what? He goes, That's exactly how it happens. Oh, and would you like to be a Moravian minister? He was working on his recruiting ribbon. I'm just going to tell you, he wasn't at all bashful about it. And I began to get the picture. All of my protests, but I had one last ditch effort. I told my college roommate about it when we started that semester of our senior year. And these were Lindsey's words. He said, Glenn, it's about time. We've lived together for three years. I've known this. It's about time you figured it out. Friends, if that's not convicting, that's God's sense of humor. But one more opportunity I had to, to, I was just trying, I was grasping at straws now. I went to see my accounting professor who was my academic advisor and I said, Dr. Lindsay, I need a recommendation for graduate school and I hope you won't be disappointed. It's not business school. And these are his words. So you're going to seminary, are you? You know, when your accounting professor can get the debits and the credits to match up in your life when you don't want them to, that's an obvious sign that God is working in your midst. See, when we want to protest and we know that thing that God's calling us to and we really don't want to do it, we're really scared of it, we're in good company. Look at Moses' story today. Moses was really afraid that what he heard, I mean, he had the real burning bush story. It was very evident, very obvious, the real billboard, if you will, the conversation with God, and yet he still doubted. And so he says, you know, God, I don't think I'm the one you wanna send. I don't think anyone will believe this. I don't think anyone will believe me. And you know, you hear what God said. He said, you got that stick in your hand, right? And Moses says, sure, he says, throw it on the ground. And it becomes a snake. Now, I don't know about you, I don't like snakes. So I figured if that happened to Moses, why did Moses need a second or a third emphasis? I mean, why did he need that? And yet God said, stick your hand in your cloak. He pulled it out and he looked at it and it was diseased and withered and he put it back in and it was healed again. And then, and then God says to Moses, if they don't believe you with the first or second signs then dip water in the Nile and pour it out and make it blood. And yet Moses seem to still want to protest one more step. And he said, and I love the, I love the way the NIV reports this. He says, Lord, I'm your servant. You know that I'm slow of speech. Now, for those of us that are Southerners, I don't think that's a problem, but <laughs> I think that the other texts will say, I stutter. Moses said, why would you make me your mouthpiece when you know that my speech is not perfect? I stutter. How can I talk for you? And I love what God says, Moses, I create the whole world. I can make my words flow through you. I can open the ears and the hearts of people to hear them or not hear them. Essentially, God said, enough. Moses, I'm with you. I've got this. Well, you and I both know the rest of the story. Moses finally acquiesces, finally gives in, and God works through him. And Moses does speak to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh lets the people go. So what does this this story tell us? What do these stories about calling tell us about our lives when God speaks out to us and calls us? It tells us that we protest because we don't feel confident. We protest because we're not quite sure we heard God clearly, and even though we have a depth of faith that wants to hear it, we're very scared. We're unsure of our own abilities. We're very scared that we are not in control. But what do we learn? We learn that's why we protest, but we learn that God will always wins in the end. Moses tried all the things. I tried to run as much as I could. And yet, what did we find out? That if we run from God and God's calling, that we grow weary and tired and that God still triumphs in the end. But more importantly, I want you to hear this, that when God calls us, God is calling us for a very specific purpose, no matter what it may be, whatever God is speaking to you about as an individual or us as a congregation, God is calling us. And while there are times that God does call the equipped, more often than not, God equips those that God calls. Let me say that again time and time again, God equips those whom God calls. Throughout scripture, we hear and see this lesson, and God wants us to learn three things from it with respect to our own calling as individuals and as a congregation. One, that we've got to have a humility of spirit. Two, that we've got to have a willingness to stretch and to grow and to learn. And third, that we've got to have a faithfulness to trust God through the journey. See, God desires a humble spirit when God calls us. See, that's contrary to our nature. As Americans, we are rugged individuals. We're brought up to think that we can pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, that we know what's best for us, that we can solve all the problems ourselves. It reminds me at times of dealing with teenagers who seem to think they know what's best for their lives when we... Who are more seasoned with greater years of wisdom see what is better. Or toddlers who want to argue with us and say, I want to do it myself, and yet they don't quite have the strength or the faculties to do it. Oh yes, God loves that energy and that spectrum, but remember, this is the God who called us first. The God who calls us, the God who says, I see the bigger picture. The God who knows what we can do, not only now, but with the potential that we have within our hearts and our souls. See, I believe that God desires from us a humility to be God's instruments of God's peace and God's work in our world. Mother Teresa wrote these words once and I think they ring so true for what we're talking about today. She wrote, I am a pencil in the hand of God, writing love letters to a world in need. I'm a pencil in the hand of God, writing love letters to a world in need. See, my friends and neighbors, my brothers and sisters, I think what God wants is for us to yield and be humble enough to be God's instruments of peace, to write those letters of love that our world needs to hear. And if we move from that humility of spirit into this willingness to grow, we've got to realize that God's call will stretch us. God's call will take us out of our comfort zone, out of that area, much like Emily on that platform. It will stretch her to do what she thinks is impossible. God may be calling us to work with the poor, to comfort the sick, to teach Sunday school, to be involved in Bible school this week, to help children learn about the goodness of God's love and grace, to think that they will be here in our midst in this sanctuary this week with all these props around them, helping them understand how God is saving them, how God loves them, how God wants them to be active in the world, how God wants them to have a faith that can move mountains. But see, God desires us a willingness to grow to maybe even sing in the choir to speak in public or do what we think and say today is unthinkable and impossible for us to do. But remember, God calls the unlikeliest of people all the time. Look at the first disciples. Now, if you were Jesus assembling sort of an all-star team of disciples, of followers to help you teach the lessons of God, who would you pick? You would probably pick the religious scholars of the day, the scribes, the Pharisees, those that knew the Word of God best and just needed maybe a few tweaks and and redirections but look at who God calls. Look at who Jesus called. He called a tax collector. He called a zealot, a political activist, if you will, a nationalist. He called an accountant, and he called commercial fishermen. Now, if you know anything about commercial fishermen, they are not the group of people you would think of, and more like the bad news bears of the religious world. I mean, they're dirty. They smell like fish. They're gruff. They probably use foul language. They tell bad jokes. Think of it, if you've ever watched Discovery Channel's deadliest catch about the crab fishermen there in Alaska, those are the kind of guys that Jesus reached out to and said, come follow me. The most unlikely of characters, they had a humility of spirit and a willingness to learn, and that's what Jesus wanted. That's what Jesus wanted. He already, he didn't need those that already knew all the laws. He needed people to see them with fresh eyes, to stretch them and grow them. I'm sure that they were thinking to themselves, I don't know what he's talking about. Fishing I know. Miracles I'm unsure of. And yet look at who Jesus called. Time and again, we see this in things like youth mission church. We take kids and we bring them out of their comfort zone, out of the cities and into poor communities in Appalachia or down in the Gulf Coast. We put a hammer in their hands. It's the first time for some of these kids to have held a hammer. Others, they can tell you what it is. They're not quite sure what it does. But we take these kids and we stretch them and we encourage them to grow. We teach them to be roofers and carpenters, to hang sheetrock and to put on mud and tape and to sand it and make the wall smooth. We give them a skill that they've never practiced before and teach them that while they're doing this, that they're helping others. If God is calling us, and it's calling us, God is calling us out of our comfort zone, God is calling us to stretch and to grow. But we will stretch, yes. We will learn, definitely. But somewhere along the line, we will find joy absolutely in serving the God who calls us, the God who loves us. The God who reaches out to each and every one of us. A humility of spirit, a desire to grow. But what God really wants, a desire for a faithful soul to trust and to follow. Look at what God said to Moses. God told him all these miracles, called him out. And remember, every time he does this, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac the God of Israel. That was God saying to Moses, I will be with you every step of the way. In your conversations with Pharaoh, I will not leave you alone, I will be with you. When Jesus called the first disciples, he said, follow me and I will be with you even unto the end of the age. Now psychologically, the part of God's call that threatens us, that scares us most, is the unknown. It's the unknown, it's that which God is calling us to that we are unsure of. But remember, God promises not to abandon us. Much like Emily on that platform, when we, her leaders, told her, Emily, you've got this. You can make this step. We won't let you fall. My friends, our God says the same thing to us. When God calls us into that new territory, that new arena, God says, I've got you. I've got you. You can make that step Because I won't let you fall. That's the good news, friends. God said, I won't let you fall. So as we journey together, as we journey together to hear God's call upon our lives individually and collectively as a congregation, somewhere along the line, God is going to call us to take a big step. A big step for us individually, a big step for us as a church. It's going to be scary. We're going to feel ill-equipped. But here's what our faith tells us. Our faith tells us that God calls us and that God equips those that God calls. And that if we will allow God to use us, if we will allow God to write those letters of love to the world, if we will allow God to teach us new tricks, to let us stretch and to grow, if we will trust in God and step out of the safety of where we are this day to a new life in ministry to come, a new life loving God and loving neighbor right here in our community and around the world, then there is nothing that can stop us. There is nothing that can prevent us from doing the will of our Heavenly Father. So let us step out with humble hearts, desiring to grow, trusting in God, because we serve a God that says, my child, I've got you and I've got this. Amen and amen.